Oh, why, hello. And welcome back to another episode of What's With You, Scooby-Doo. Phil Hobby returns for the second half of the Scooby Snack Tracks album. We make it out of the Flower Power songs and into... Spoiler alert, you'll find out by listening to the episode. This is a long one, but I think there are some interesting points brought up. If you're more of a fan of the nerdy style of conversation, this episode is for you. We definitely get deep into some stuff. Some of the references do include uh, Nathan Barley, which is a show that I still haven't watched, but it includes some of the people from The Mighty Boosh, which is another reference in this episode, uh, which is a British kind of uh, absurdist TV show, sort of the next generation of Monty Python, uh, which is, it's great. Check that stuff out. It's a long Nora Ephron discussion. Specifically, you've got mail. So if you like that movie, look forward to that. Uh, We also bring up the Space Ghost Coast to Coast album Surf and Turf with 22 tiki-torched tunes. That's right. I'm going to start putting links to this stuff uh, on the webpage. Um, www.whatswithyouscooby-doo.com I'm going to start trying to do a post that has sort of some of these references so that you can see them if you want to. If you just want to go through life and just listen to your podcast and then never have to deal with it again, I mean, you can do that as well. No, no, Nobody's stopping you. <laughs> that about sums up everything you need to know. So if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can find us as always, facebook.com slash what's with you, Scooby-Doo. Twitter and Instagram at WWY Scooby Doo, as well as what uh, what's with you Scooby Doo at gmail.com. That is everything. So thank you, as always, for listening. And once again, to the podcast, let's do this. It took his own life. And I was like, <clears throat> surprising? Have you read <laughs> any Hemingway? And the guy was just kind of like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> the docent, docent. How do you pronounce it? I think docent. I think you're right. All right. Well, I I went to uh, Emily Dickinson's house. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was kind of happy because I've always found most people are like, oh, she's so depressing, and I'm like, well, not really. I, she's she's realistic, but she sort of sees. She's perceptive. I think is more how I'd say it. I don't think she's like depressing. I don't think she's trying to find dark things. In fact, I think there's always a bit of light somewhere in there. And the and the curator there was actually pretty chuffed that I noticed that too he's like yes that's sl- that slimmer of glim li- you know that dark glimmer of light the one you know where it's like streaming in through her room you know cracks are where the light shines through leonard cohen what's with you scooby-doo today <laughs> in the scoopio i have philip i'm running out of h's <laughs> happy go lucky hobby <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant you went, and you used all your H's for the day. You've used your quota. You didn't have any left. Yeah. And uh, now, now I will pronounce it like my mother and say, humid. Yeah. Otford, Erdford, and Hampshire. 
Uh, like, my fair lady. It always cracked me up that the uh, the the what the heck is the name headmaster at the high school I went to. He would say, "Sorry, what? Headmaster. You got a headmaster? Yeah, I went to prep school. That's awesome. I'm very very classy. Are you Harry Potter? <laughs> but he would That's pr- cool. He would pronounce it humid, so he couldn't pronounce the H. <laughs> but then uh, the valedictorian, my uh, some year was named Miranda, and he would mm. pronounce it Miranda. So hmm. he couldn't pronounce H's at the beginning of words, but he would add R's at the end yeah. of random words. Yeah, that's, yeah. So he's like, yeah, I don't know. Inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, where was he from? Was he from like... No idea. I never really got his biography. Was he from Connecticut? Possibly. Flatlander? It's all uh, humid down here. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Is that a Connecticut accent? I don't even know. No, I, just... I think that was like a weird, uh, like somehow more white Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> the American, if, if Sean Connery had been born and bred in New England. If Sean Connery had been born and bred in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes, give me a little blue. <laughs> <laughs> Hand it over. <laughs> Hand over the labat. Labat. Uh, of course, uh, Canadian beer, so it would be a polite beer advertisement. Yeah. E, can I have a labat? <laughs> <laughs> so those of you who are like wanting to listen to this because of Scooby-Doo talk, that's well, nobody, you are blue that's balls. nobody left by yeah, now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have always gone so far off the rails. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, we're finally picking up where we left off. Yeah. So uh, a couple months ago, we did uh, we 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 delved into the Scooby Snack Tracks, which was an album <sighs> that was released in uh, the so good 90s, I think. Well, okay, so we started off. We did the first half of it, which was most of like the Flower Power songs. Well, and that's what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't even remember anything else other than that. You actually just jogged my memory into that. We started getting into some stuff that wasn't as 60s, wasn't as Flower Power, and wasn't as pleasing. Well, that's pretty much what we're gonna get to. It's yeah. gonna be. All time, yeah. all day, these well, to, days. To tell you the truth, too, since then I have listened to quite a bit of that Sunshine Pop stuff. So it jogged me to start listening to more of that. Um, discovered a really good album with Debbie Harry in it before she was in Blondie. Okay. And it's a, it's, I would say it's like a psychedelic folk album. Yeah, is that when she was with Dagwood? Uh, <laughs> come on, uh, come on, nice. Blondie yeah. and Dagwood. <laughs> Nobody gets that joke. Yes, you're such a bum, Stan. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, I did enjoy the first few tracks of that, if I do recall. Well, I meant to go find the album, too, and download it, but I never did that. I'm glad you didn't, because now it can be a surprise for you. Uh, or at least the rest of it can. What, uh... When you say you were listening to like Flower Power Rock, what'd you go to? I mean, did you go to like what the birds or? Well, no, believe it or not, there's a uh, so during one of the busier times at work, just need music going. That's going to keep me going, right? And I found a I found a YouTube channel called Rarer Records. They are not paying me to say this. Rarer Records. In fact, <laughs> they should be paying me because not only is that a plug, but it's hard to say. Um, Rarer Records, and they just they have some they have some records that this guy I think he he bought like spent thousands of dollars like. Like and one of the records is like this is worth a thousand dollars. So I don't know whether he spent thousand dollars. How does he value that? No, I mean like I think that he found out that it's valued that that. But like who? Is, but someone has to be willing to pay that for it to be worth that. Like I could say that uh, you know this pen is worth ten thousand dollars. I'll it take it. Make it. T- <laughs> Sorry, I. Oh, it's I the jumped. easiest ten grand I ever made. <laughs> <laughs> well, so is this show. Thank you for paying me. <laughs> You are paying everyone else ten grand too, right? 
We'll talk about this. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. (laughs) Anyone else listening? Um, I did not get ten grand. (laughs) Wink, Uh, wink. Uh, So before when we uh, we listen to something that sounds more like this. The Hollies, which love I love it. I love this band. The Hollies, the associations. Yeah, they're great. That's like what came out. That that's what was in the zeitgeist when the original Scooby Doo came out. I mean, 1969, the you know summer of love. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Which was 67. If I if I want to be no research pedantic, well, I want to be a little pedantic. Yeah. I mean, I've already taken my glasses off, but I will still be a pedantic. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so all that. But I am being pedantic. You're right. All that late 60s stuff, 66, 67, 68, 69, all that sort of. It's okay. I did that the other day at an open mic. Uh, this <laughs> this woman got up and told this story. <laughs> this really cracked me up too. So uh, she gets up and she tells a story about her and her boyfriend at the time, now husband. Uh, Thirty years ago, they went to a uh, tantric sex class. Right. Yeah. Sting and was there. Huh? <laughs> so I was like, so the way she tells the story, she's like, it was great. It was very romantic. We went out to lunch and then we went to this class and I was like, hold on. <laughs> so this happened 30 years ago. <laughs> so in the mid eighties, you went to a tantric sex class in downtown Portland, Maine at like one in the afternoon. <laughs> I don't know why, but all those details together just seemed really weird to yeah, me. Yeah, a little implausible. But I mean, hilarious. But then really? she but then she confirmed. She's like, I don't understand your incredulity. Well, it's all true. Somebody else somebody else said something along the lines of like, oh, well, because she said 30 years ago, and he was like, oh, the summer of love. And I was <laughs> like, no, 30 years ago was the 80s. 30 years ago was like... We're approaching the point where it's almost going to be the 90s. Yeah, that's not even... like It's that... Because I always feel like it's better to divide the deck. You know, people are like, oh, you know, the 60s were so... And I'm like, what? Homogenous? Because absolutely not. Like, I think if you split it on the five, 65 to 75 are far more a cohesive group than like 60 to 70. It's such an arbitrary number anyway. Like, it just happened to be that year. It's not like they went to... It's not like they went to... All right, it's 1960, guys. We got to start like thinking about civil rights. It was like... (laughs) It was like... No. It was like more like 65... To 75 is like you start to see the benefits of that. That's a much different time. Like, look at 1967 compared to 1963. Those are two different universes. Well, sure. But I mean, it's also just the shorthand of being able to talk about these kinds of things. Yeah, but don't be lazy. Wow. Yes and no. I mean, to a certain extent, like we... We have shorthand so that we can talk about things in overarching. There are points where being specific is necessary. I totally agree about that. But like, I mean, saying the 60s also does have its place. But does it? I mean, sure. yeah, I guess so. I I, I see what I you mean. I mean, that's like speaking about history and saying like, uh, you know, uh, my dad cracked up a lot about this. He took like a, a like one the the great courses, you know, the teaching yeah, company yeah. thing. Yeah. He took one of those, and the guy was like, you know, somewhere between uh, thirty million and fifteen million years ago. It's like <laughs> there is a that's a fifteen million year gap. Yeah, that's a lot. You know, that's, that's a lot. A lot of, that's of a lot of lifetimes. But yeah. also, like for this conversation, that gap is like, well, we can't narrow it down, and it did happen somewhere in there. And knowing more specifically isn't necessarily that's part fine, of what but I mean that's not. Here. But we we do know the specific dates of things that happen. Well, and if sure. You and about, if you're talking about like, a specific date, that's when you become but, pedantic but like, about that date. But look when things change; they do change around the middle of the quote decade. And again, those decades—it's like New Year's Eve. Like I hate to be a stick in the mud, but I'm always like, so this is the day we choose to go. And now it's been 365. I'm like, <laughs> okay, fair enough. But who? I mean, like whatever. And I know that like a lot of people are like, well, it's fun. It's fun to. Go. And I'm like, I I definitely celebrate. I have a good time. I'm like, great. There's a built-in party every year. This is wonderful, but yeah. like I kind of think like okay, think about it. 1944, 
1946, very different years. 1945, mm-hmm. the war ends. Like, that's going to cause a big change. Like, I wouldn't just say the 40s. I'd go like, yeah, maybe 35 to 45 when everything around World War II was brewing. Sure. 45 to 55 when everything was just kind of this post-bellum It's almost like and- we have a term for that that's used all the time in post-World War II. <laughs> Sure, but what I'm saying is 55 to 65 is a much more cohesive amount of time, like, and then 65 to 75, and 75, the whole point of this was what I was saying was that this woman was doing this in the late 80s, which is a very different time period than the early 80s, that was my whole point, and that's, that's all I'm trying, ah, like, they didn't have neon colors back in the early 80s, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it was close that to the big seven, social. the lapels were still big. Ah, oh, for fuck, you know what? Can we talk about that for a second? Because why lapels? do lapels ever need to be that wide? Why do they need to extend almost past your shoulder pads? For Christ's sake. I don't I'm just know. Saying. Why do you have elbow pads? They uh, shouldn't be there. <laughs> I, I would not have them. You know, I got called out. They're like, oh, well, you have shoulder pads in your bag. I'm like, well, I didn't put them there. <laughs> I didn't ask for them to be there. Yeah, but you bought the jacket. Jackets are available without shoulder pads. Yeah, it's true. Actually, I don't, think there, I, don't think, I don't think there are shoulder pads in the jacket I was thinking of. So... Yeah, that's a good point. My my corduroy jacket doesn't have shoulder pads. Corduroy? Corduroy. Corduroy. Is that the name of the bear? <sighs> corduroy? Yeah. There was a bear. Yeah. Because there's he Paddington and, and Corduroy. Oh, yeah. Because Paddington's you know what? I've always British, Corduroy's an right. American uh, department store. store. Department he, store. He's kind of like Jeff from Today's Special. He just sort of lives in the... In the in the in the department. What's today's story. special? Ooh, I'm glad you asked. It's a uh, it's it's. I'm gonna have a podcast all about it. It's a children's show from Canada about a uh, mannequin who comes to life with a magic hat. But if the magic hat falls off of his head, he turns into a regular mannequin again. But someone puts the magic hat back on his head, then he's a human again. That's when no- they placed it on his head, he began to walk around. Yeah, but he doesn't oh, melt. Oh, Jeff the mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly that, but he doesn't melt. What was it called? Today's show? Today's special. Today's special. And I never knew whether that was a contraction, meaning today is special, or this is the special of today. You've never seen it written? Well, it's today apostrophe S special. So I don't know if that's, shall we say, um, the possessive genitive or the objective genitive? Yeah, it's not like it's where there's a specific time where you don't right. use it, right. even though it's possessive. It's, it could be today is special. Sorry, no, it's not an objective genitive, it's just a contraction. Today is special, or is it? Possessive. When this I, is the special of today. I was getting obsessed about uh, synergy and syzygy. Why? What? Synergy, of course, S Y N E R G Y. When things uh, uh, coalesce to for beneficial reasons, uh, you hear a lot about it in corporate speak. They uh, so, for example. If Disney owns the rights to the movie and owns the toy company that's making the toys for that movie, that's synergy. It's synergistic marketing. Okay. Uh, syzygy is when three celestial bodies align in uh, a row, but it's spelled S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. See, I feel like that's something probably from that woman's tantric. Class. <laughs> Sounds like it. Syzygy. Syzygy. Uh, uh, syzygistic scissoring. That's the name of my new band. <laughs> yes. I don't think you could do it. But anyways, uh, so we're going back to Scooby Snack Tracks. Um, this is going to be the second half of the album. We're going to be going away from the flower power stuff. However, to start it off, we have a theme song. Yes. <laughs> well, that's so excited. Right? So uh, I just got to call up what the hell everything's called here so to start off so in 1980 nope we're starting with 1976 1976 theme song uh there's nothing to see 
<laughs> For the benefit of the listener, I have moved my seat so that I can see the screen, as you do when, even though it's just audio, I do this all the time. I'm just like, you don't need to come around. It's just audio. Just listen. Like, no, 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 no. I need to. I need to see it. I need to have a Are you more of a visual person? Well, it really depends. I don't know. I, honestly, I've, I've sometimes, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. When did you get glasses? It was later than it should have been. I realized it earlier. But I, you had bad vision. Well, it's, Before it's not you got that bad. Guy. I mean, I could uh, legally I can even drive without them. Oh, okay. So you just have like reading glasses or something? No, no, no. They are for far. I, I don't feel comfortable driving without them. Okay. Um, they they do help. Because I'm wondering, because I mean, depending on when you had to get them, if that informs how you have to go about, like, oh, I want to see something because I can, or you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like it's interesting if you have to like struggle more to see something. If that if that gives you like a dopamine shot when you can hmm. see something, you know what I'm saying? I, well, you know, it's funny because I always thought of myself as kind of an auditory learner to some degree just because mm-hmm. of the musical side. But like if I hear someone's name, it's like right out of my head. But if I see it, I, I can remember it really easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. Like if I put on the subtitles for whatever reason, I'll remember all the characters' names. I have great spatial reasoning. Yeah. Uh, I can see things in 3D spaces very clearly. Which also for music, in my head, there's a visual component of like how things move and where things fit and all that kind of stuff. So it's weirdly like not as focused on auditory for me. Huh. Yeah. That is odd. Yeah. I agree. Interesting. It's very bizarre. I have a photographic memory for numbers usually. Oh, really? And by photograph, I mean whatever that means. Like it's just that I have a weird thing. Like suddenly I go, oh, that's on page 137. Then I'm like, wait, how did I know that? (laughs) Like why did I remember that and not like the person's name to whom I'm speaking. Supposedly, Bill Clinton is one of those people. Oh, like, really? the, like just flipping pages, and yeah. then you're like, what was the sixth word of the third paragraph <laughs> on page, you know, 270? And he'll yeah. be like, uh, four. That's weird. Oh, it, well, for to me, for me, it's just numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that might be because I'm synesthetic, and each number has a color, so maybe I just remember the colors. Ah, I wonder if that's synesthesia. Synesthesia. Robert Loja. <laughs> Robert Loja. <laughs> <laughs> Frequent name. Well, now now they know about a little bit more about you and a little bit more about me. I bet I bet they're interested to hear now even more so what we think about this album. That's possible. Uh, right. So from 1976, the Scooby Doo Show theme. Which, like, this to me is, uh, it, like, screams a lot more of, like, special, like, uh, you know, 70s, disco like, well, but also, like, the way that shows around this time, like, were more of, like, events. Like, I'm mm. thinking of, like, yeah. you know, like, br- you know, bringing to you, you know, starring, you know, special guest star. You know, it's funny because it was that crossover between, like, the generations that are around now and that older generation, you know, from the silver screen. Right. And it's like, when things... You made an event, you know, like, nightclubs were these big swanky places with shows where this sort of music would be appropriate. But then you look at what they're doing it for, it's like people with these big, you know, collars and, like, frilly... Th- and like it Back just, to the lapel talk. Yeah, God, <laughs> it, it, it does plague my thoughts. But, um, but you know what I mean? Like, there's this sort of... Tacky's maybe too strong, but you know what I mean? Like, the, the 70s had a tacky element to it, and yet... Well, to tacky ha- by today's standards. I mean, I think... I th- think even by then. I mean, well, like... I think there was an opulence to it. There was a... Maybe that's what it is. There was a level of glamour that came out of, you know, uh, the 60s. It, it was a... It was the... 
it was trying to outdo the 60s for its glamorous like oh. you know Marlena Dietrich and and uh, uh Elizabeth they, Taylor and Robert uh, Robert Richard Burton you know that sort of like you know what you you've hit on it they were trying to outdo the 60s but the 60s were so simple and minimalist with everything that to try to outdo that just looks like you're trying too hard. And I think you've actually struck on why I've always preferred the sort of the glamour of, well, the glamour of the 40s and, and early, I think, is even better. But the glamour mm. of the 60s does is better to me than the glamour of the 70s. Well, there's that. Uh, the big the, rhinestones, you know, versus, oh, yeah. versus just these like simple cut things, you know, just. Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, very simple suits. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, you think of like a, a Fred Astaire or something, even though that's earlier. But like, it didn't well, similar, that much. <laughs> but it's similar. I mean, like, and like, like Mad, like, look at all the stuff in Mad Men. Right. Everything is so trim that it's like it's effortlessly cool. Yeah. And I think the seventies was trying too hard. Yeah, you end up with everything's bigger and better and Club Fifty Four yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, on TV at that time, I mean, it it starts to become. It starts to try to cash in on these larger-than-life things. It becomes self-aware of its own importance. And TV? I th- yeah, yeah, and I think that that, that, you know, this kind of, like, the, the fanfare at the beginning of this <laughs> yeah. alone, like, you know. I mean, we end up with a... Ooh, a is this going to be scary? But a it's reference scary, to isn't it? Original. Oh. You know? Oh, it, Bob Hope's about to introduce Rocky and Bullwinkle. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's that takes such a, a shift, <laughs> but you know it's very different from the, and I think we talked about this last time. The you know the the progression from the original Scooby Doo theme, which is like a small ensemble, like almost singer songwritery yeah. thing, to then uh, the new Scooby Doo movies, which was like bigger, and now we're like you know you know uh, live from beautiful downtown Burbank <laughs> presenting <laughs> laughing, you know yeah yeah exactly, it's interesting yeah what. Anyway. But I mean, like, the thing about it back then was that none of these were references yet. There was nothing to all of this was, you know, it was happening for the first time. Now, almost everything has a a trope association. Like you have to face things as from a historical perspective these days because people will compare it to that. So you almost have to like knowingly reject the history or embrace it in some way, shape or form. Uh, You know, it's funny. I. I've always said that. It's why I've always said, like, you know, watch some of the greats. Watch Buster Keaton. Watch Laurel and Hardy. Watch Abbott and Costello. Watch some of these comedy greats so that you can see where the stuff comes from. I guarantee you a lot of comedians today will still look back and go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I at least know about this stuff. And um, Yeah, some of them, sure. I was actually just having this conversation last night where a friend of mine mentioned that he's like, if you watch stuff, like, like and this is about TV, too, they were saying... Even the earliest TV, I Love Lucy and stuff like that. Yeah. They were, within 10 years, already making self-referential jokes about television itself and about their own shows. And he said that it goes through this this weird thing where, okay, I Love Lucy, straightforward. The Honeymooner, straightforward. And by the time you get to about 10 years into television, like like right before 1960, it's already making jokes about the medium. And you keep going until you finally you get stuff like Arrested Development and Community, which is so self-referential with itself. It's like this labyrinth of like references that finally, uh, he said, like someone noted, like it finally just breaks. It just finally goes to like, and now we just have Modern Family again. Just make it simple. Just do, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where it's just a straightforward group of guys working together, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, that's always been the cycle. Because, I mean... Right. Well, that's his point. It's a cycle. Yeah, because, I mean, 
radio, I mean, Jack Benny, you know, uh, <laughs> there's an episode where they're promoting on the town. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the shtick is that they're at a bar and they're going around to all the different people in the bar and it's Gene Kelly and, <laughs> uh, you know, Rosalind Russell and Frank Sinatra. And so they get to Gene Kelly and you hear like tap it to tap, 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 tap. He's like, are you Gene Kelly? Tap it to tap, tap, tap. Okay, well, this is radio, not television. You know, so like, you know, they were doing jokes about like, oh, you know, this this is the, me- we're making fun of the medium that we're on. Right, right. I mean, that's sort of postmodern. But I mean, that, that goes back all the way to... Uh, can't think of any references off the top of my head, but I'm sure Shakespeare made jokes about, I mean, the play's the thing, you know, yeah. in Hamlet, like it's yeah. a play within a play. That's good. Yeah. So, I mean, I that's, like that. that kind of thing's always been there. Yeah. But now it's become a part of, it's it's almost like a uh, cultural anxiety. Like, you know that this stuff came before and you ha- now you have to somehow interact with it, even if it's to reject it. Right. Well, and that's why, but I mean, like, that's, that, that's why if you look around, I mean, some things are original, a lot, there's a lot of originality out there, but there's, there's always, there's always this, I think the things that are successful now are like, let's reference stuff, other stuff that you've seen, you know, like, and I will say this, I, th- I just saw Ready Player One and not to give anything away, I thought it did a pretty good job of, of not just like hitting yourself, you know, hitting them over the head with, look at all this stuff, aren't you happy that we, t- like, Put it in it. It was like, hey, remember this? Yeah, that's that's never a. That's always a little just, you know, gratuitous sometimes. But they did a good job, I thought. But it it is the sort of thing where, like, you know, how do you create something original in a in a in a in a world now where in a world? Yeah, I know. I was like, don't say it that way. <laughs> you know, it's gonna happen. Oh, I know it. Uh, but like, you know, in a world where we do have, you know, we have a century's worth of this medium. Yeah. And even just audio. Yeah. You know, they, they both came out right around the same time where, you know, one just slightly after the other. And it's like, we have a century to draw back on. You know, Jackie Chan knows his Buster Keaton. And people today know their Jackie Chan. But Jackie Chan's also, I mean, not, not to make both of us feel whole, but like Jackie Chan is like 70. But that's my point is that there's a new generation looking at Jackie Chan and going, well, what can I do with this sort of visual storytelling that yeah. is entertaining on this on this sort of echelon up here? Yeah, you know, so. that's interesting. I just watched um, Journey to the West the other day, uh, which is uh, it's a, another Monkey King movie. Uh, but it's it's you know like a Chinese it's it's like a Chinese it's a kung fu movie basically. Yeah. And you know there's I'm kind of getting obsessed with this Chinese style of movie making where it's very like broad and over the top, and it feels like right. you know very old school. Uh, like Buster Keatony, uh, yeah. you know Charlie Chaplin-y, because right. everything's larger than life, and right. it, and it's absolutely unbelievably hilarious. Yeah. I think Stephen Chow is the guy who's making a lot of those movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. but it's really funny. Is it? Wh- why do we fetishize originality? Because well, I think I mean, let's face it. I think the easiest route would be let me do exactly what that guy did. Let me do what 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 that person did. And do it exactly the same. That's not impressive, I don't think. But I think originality means you looked at everything and said, "Here's something that's not been done." But what? What? Why do, do we, as an audience? But who cares? Why do we care? What is it? Is it because like they're a hero? And I'm speaking kind of like in a partially glib but partially metaphorical sense of like, are they? They're doing something that can't be done, and so therefore we, we. 
we live through that vicariously or we're impressed by them and we want them to elevate like what why why do we care about well it's like come up with an original idea idea right now uh that's not easy to do a horse with a butt on its face nailed it first try good yeah but now (laughs) is that gonna run i mean like you're right that's original oh it has legs so it probably can run (laughs) In fact, it probably has a couple extra legs if it's got a butt on its face, or oh. is it just the butt. But you know, what I mean, like, like BoJack Horseman. I think there's an example of it. It's kind of almost the same thing. Someone went, "What about a failed comedian, or you know, like a, a has been comedian with a horse face?" Yeah. And someone's like, "Well, is that going to sell?" And then they go, "Well, watch this. He's got a cat lady for an ex girlfriend and a and a." Okay, where's this going? And then you realize you watch the show. I mean, I saw the trailers and I'm like, oh, I'm going to avoid that because that just looks really like, oh, nice job. <laughs> Way to be original. And then I watch it and I'm like, this is one of the freshest things on TV. You know? Right. Um, but it's not because of the horse head. It's because of the characterization and yeah, the writing true. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's... A, but it yeah, draws know. you in with this sort of uh, spice of, well, everybody also has weird heads and this kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, I guess, like for me, like originality, like when I see something su- like Brick, there's a there's an example of a movie where I'm just like, oh, I did not expect that, you know, or um, Brick. Have you not seen Brick with Jordan Levitt there, Gordon Gordon J- Joseph Gordon? No, Levitt? is that a uh, is that about the uh, is it is it a biopic about uh, oh, God damn it Ben Folds writing the song? <laughs> <laughs> you should watch it. I'm not going to say anything about it actually. Okay. In fact, if you want to watch it after this podcast, I will absolutely watch that movie. Um, I I don't know. Like I, I guess you know you're asking the question: Why do we fetishize? originality i think because it's so freaking hard and it's so refreshing and especially in a day and age where again you've got a century to draw on i don't think it's interesting to see the same thing over like if someone said i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna make a movie where a guy walks inside a movie and um has a house almost fall on him and then he plays uh you know like you go well we've seen that that's buster (laughs) keaton if if someone goes like hey i've got a great idea for a show it's about these guys who suck up ghosts into their thing you go like well unless you're doing like a reboot where you're talking about like we've done that we've done men with and women with ghosts on the thing um like the franchise itself rebooted it so they had a fresh spin on it Mm. but like if someone just said i've got a great idea for a brand new movie it's about people who take ghosts it's like well yeah there's a franchise they're already doing something with it (laughs) like that wouldn't be original you know what i mean yeah yeah that's interesting because it also i mean not everybody creates things so, I mean, from a perspective of people who create things, it's like, oh, that's really hard to do. I admire you for doing that, and I and that that originality gets me off. But for somebody who, like, for, for your average moviegoer, for somebody who just wants to see things blow up, what about... Like, why does it matter? What about a bigger explosion or a Michael Bay explosion? Yeah, like, why... But I think that's the thing is that people who are just trying to, you know, cash in on the cash cow of of that world, yeah, you could do that and it will sell. I mean, there are franchises out there that we're like, yeah, we've seen that before. You know, I remember I went a friend of mine, he, we went to see Tokyo Drift, you know, Fast and the Furious 3. Right. Yeah. And we he walked out and he goes, "You know, Phil, that would have been an ec- he's like that would have been a good movie if they hadn't had a plot." <laughs> and I went, right. you're right. And then, and I, and he and I came up with this whole idea. And if you steal, I, this is a, this is a, you know, evidence that I thought of this first. So don't you dare steal this idea. Right. We this actually down had, and cutting this out. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, we had an idea just to make a movie where there really was no ostensible plot. It just opens up with like a car chase, and they get out and they fight and all this stuff. And then Crank came out. 
And we were like, that is... So good, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and the reason it's good is they don't have a plot. They have a MacGuffin that does this, and then it's just those scenes. It's just car chases and fights and a bit of sex. And you're just like, that's exactly what you want in the movie. Stop bogging it down with false, you know, sentimentality that it doesn't really ring true. And just give the fans what they want. Right. Yeah, but, my favorite is always in uh, Crank 2 when he starts speaking in Cockney rhyming slang for no reason. Yeah. Where's my strawberry tart? <laughs> <laughs> when the car crashes, he says something like chicken and broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like, and I, th- and I thought, see, now that's an original movie because all this other time they're like, okay, we have to have the car chases, we have to have the fights, we gotta have that, and let's stick in something about his dad, something about his relationship with his dad. That'll make it nice and uh, nice, you know, tearjerker there. And it's like, no, we don't need that. Oh, are you doing the what's the Eddie Izzard bit where he's like? Uh the Americans remaking the British movies and it's like it's the view of the staircase from the office but in America it's view of the staircase of the office from hell <laughs> no I don't think I've even heard that one yeah but that, I mean Crank is also like a like a postmodern commentary on that so it's engaging with that with, with with it's purposefully doing that and you can see those strings right. being pulled right, yeah like here's another example how many times have we seen the the fucking let's go into a cabin and then people slash each other. Okay, fine. Cabin, cabin in, in the, the woods. woods is like such a great original take on that, right. you know? And that's what I think when you say like, why do we fetishize originality? It's because what if they had just made another one? We'd all go, yeah, what the hell am I watching this for? I saw it 50 times before. This is when you go, oh, that's a neat spin on it. That's a very original spin. I've never seen it. And mm. don't make a sequel, by the way. You know, <laughs> right? Or you No, know. I kind of want to see Bradley Whitford as a merman. He gets bit by a merman. Yes. So he becomes a merman. Oh, Bradley Whitford. Uh, Bradley Whitford, the actor, not the uh, member of Aerosmith. Uh, So, (laughs) moving on, uh, let's get prepared. I don't know, steal yourself, do whatever you need to do, make peace with your gods, uh, because we're about to move in. Okay, so, for some odd reason on this soundtrack, and I don't know, we can go into this, I'm not sure how this is going to play, but the next three songs... Okay. No, right, actually, I'll, I think it's more than that, possibly. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> Hold right. on to your butts. Uh, <laughs> it's These are from the... I think these are all from the Scooby-Doo movie, uh, Scooby Goes to Hollywood. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I haven't actually seen this movie, but I know of it. So we're gonna Is that g- our next one? We're going to watch Scooby Goes to yeah, Hollywood right. on the podcast. We'll about see that. what happens. But it, here, here we go. So, this is now... Uh, this is called Move Over. You better move over. You better watch out. A new name is coming uh. to holler about. We're telling you. We're coming through. The name to remember is Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I see what they're going for. See, there's a fine line for musicals with me, and it gets crossed quite frequently. Sure. It's... We've heard this before. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, what am I thinking? This is skirting with that line, and I haven't figured out whether... Uh, oh, I know what I'm thinking of. Okay, so 
there's that's that's obviously i mean like like i'm saying they're they're engaging with something that's we know but here's the exact same thing from a different source basically what is this you might recognize it. Let's find out. Right now. I'm not fantastic beginning. Oh, yeah. So it's this is the opening number from the Great Muppet Caper. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But I mean, Theft. I, and I, no, I doubt it. Uh, there, I'm sure you can also find like yes. 75 billion examples yes, exactly. of this kind of opening number. But the the thing is, like, why in the Great Muppet Caper does it strike me as like sincere and like, like Thank, I you love know what? the opening to I, that movie? And yes. it's great because it also has all the jokes, Sweetums knocking things over. They, you know, uh, whatever his name is, steals the necklace. Yeah, you know what? Starring me. You know what it is. You're right. There, there is an integrity there. And you, here's the thing: when it, when I first heard the piece, you saw my reaction on my face. <laughs> listener, I, I was very like concerned. You I, grimaced. I, did, we, I was just like, "Huh? Do I like this or not?" And I remember I, by the end of it, I said, "Okay, look, it's skirting with a line. I don't think it's crossed." That line to me was sort of the bombast of musicals past about 1945. Like if you look at musicals before 1945, they're all. You know, like look at uh, I think the one that most people know is like Anything Goes. They're kind of a smaller scale. They're not meant like Ethel Merman hadn't arrived on the scene yet <laughs> to make it the sort of loud, brash, brassy sort of sound. It was a much more contained sort of, and, and dare I say it, I, I prefer the earlier stuff. So whenever it's got that that bombastic <laughs> sound, for me, it's not usually my favorite. Right, but. That's actually, I realized, not what was going on. You hit on it. It's the integrity piece where the Muppets always sound so sincere. And there's this, there's something for me where I'm, again, just sort of like, did you just sort of cobble this one together, Scooby-Doo? Because that's sort of how it felt. I'm sure it was. I mean, you know, a lot of the Hanna-Barbera stuff, that's part of the charm of it, is that it almost feels like... Uh, Slapdash, just whoosh, there it is. Well, I remember seeing an interview with Noel know, Fielding. Maybe I'm overstepping my my bounds here to talk about, it, but no, I mean, I, but but the other thing is, I love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I remember seeing an interview with Noel Fielding, and he was talking about the Mighty Boosh, yeah. and he was saying that, like, you know, it's something about like, well, we knew what we were doing, but we made it seem like we didn't know what we were doing. So uh, fundamentally, <laughs> so the bar was lower. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're ready, like, and it has a very slapdash feel to it it feels very improvised even though if you watch like the live shows like they're doing the exact same jokes mm. and it was a tour mm. so they're doing the exact same mm. jokes for two different tours for however many cities right. but they make it right. feel you know slapdash and that's part of i think the charm of scooby-doo is yeah. that it feels very like ah eh, we don't know what we're doing we're just trying here yeah. You know, and by the end of it, I will say I didn't dislike it. I was just like, oh, that's kind of fun. Because at first I was like, okay, what are they? I think part of it, too, is that Scooby-Doo has always been for me those, you know, those guys, you know, the kids in the seven, in the, in the late 60s, early 70s with that sort of, that sort of, you know, baseline, you know, yeah, like that. Yeah. And to suddenly have it turn into like a 1960s musical <laughs> makes me go... Well, that's a different genre. What are we doing here? And by the end, I was like, huh, it's okay. you know. But I do agree that I feel like whenever Kermit gets on there, <laughs> like suddenly I'm like, oh. Because Jim Henson, I think, was really sincere with his work. It's the same. It's interesting that it's- He was so invested. Well, it's also fundamentally the same investment. reference in two different hands yeah. with two different results. 
Yeah. Because I mean, if you if you took out the vocals and you just played the backing track for both of them, yeah. it could fundamentally be you could probably cut them together to make one <laughs> song. You know what I'm saying? I think they were even in the same key. It's entirely po- yeah. probably D. <laughs> yeah. The easiest key to sing in. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it's interesting, but to me in the Scooby-Doo, it sounds like a reference and in the Muppets, it sounds like a weapon. You know what I'm saying? Like they're wielding it and it's purposeful mm. in the Muppets. Yeah. Where in Scooby-Doo, it feels like, well, we need a number. Yeah. Let's fit it into, let's, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're using the, the Play-Doh mold for an opening number, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which and, fine. And, I mean, this, there's nothing inherently wrong no, with that. No, but I think this comes back to what you're saying is like, why do we fetishize originality? Well, yeah. let's go back and listen to that Muppet thing and... It would I I, can't, I don't know because I only heard like four lines of it, but like you know, is there more originality in the Muppets? Because the Muppets was very original. Yeah. You know? Well, possibly because. Although the, I the Scooby Doo was kind of original too. I mean, when have yeah. you ever seen kids doing that? I mean, the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew were I think its predecessors, and there's not much before it with kids being det- oh the well, no the Boxcar Children came out afterwards. So yeah, w- would they be like the third major set of, you know. Put a Kids. dog on it and you have it. Yeah, yeah right. You know? Uh, uh, people love mysteries and people love teenagers. <laughs> Put them together and what have you got? <laughs> Scooby-doo-dooby-doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so, continuing with this trend of the songs from this. Uh, this is the third track. This is Ruby Cool Guy. <laughs> nice. You're just a Ruby Doo guy, a Ruby Doo Scooby Doo Ruby Cool guy. You're just a Ruby Doo guy. But I mean, it's okay. Uh, I mean, those are inspired lyrics. Well, also, it sounds like it's like a phoning it in Andrew Dice Clay singing it. Yes. Well, when it started out, I was like, okay, cool. Doo-wop 50s, nice. When the lyrics were simply, hey, you're this. Which, I mean, would have been fine in the 50s because there were plenty of songs that came out that were uh, just the same thing over. Let's twist again like we did last time. Sure. You know, I mean, there's nothing. I'm not bowled over by the song is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm not... Just like me. Yeah. I guess they understand it's a duet for the back. I mean, yeah, they're okay. not. This is not one you're gonna go and. This this feels like a children's cartoon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Simple lyrics. It's hard to sing a Scooby. You're right. You know, like because you can either sing well or you can sing like Scooby so it's like do you do a character voice what's going to serve it in the moment you know right but I don't know yeah I it's fine I'm not offended by it it feels like a children's cartoon song you know where it's just like oh let's do a 50s doo-wop number are we going to do anything with it well Scooby would pronounce his own name Rue because of the R thing not actually true but still you know what I'm saying like they're borrowing from that to make this like yeah because he says Scooby-Doo. He also says Shaggy. He doesn't say Raggy. Right. 
Right. Yeah, this is Mandela effect. Yeah, although it does change later on, but people purposefully go back and yeah. revisionist history. Right. Bernstein. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Kit Kat with a hyphen. But there's an interesting thought, like, so fundamentally that's no different from Little Shop of Horrors, right? Okay. Like Little Shop of Horrors uses that same... Uh, uh, interest in like 1950s doo-wop and like all this kind of stuff but uses it once again wields it like a weapon right as opposed to creating a play-doh mold and just sticking their thing into it and there's also something to be said about like like complexity isn't the thing because there's plenty of stuff that's complex out there that also doesn't capture like a giant fan base. You know what I'm saying? Like if complexity were the were the thing, then Elliot Carter would have had like a lot more people listening to his music or you know, a uh, Pierre Boulez or something like that. Like people would be obsessed with, you know, uh, classical music from the 1930s rather than uh show tunes. You know what I'm saying? Say say that again. You were saying that like it's not that comp- like so uh Ruby cool guy, you know. That that's not, it's not that it's simpler than, say, uh, Dadu from Little Shop of Horrors, right. you know? It's, it's, it's that there's something about Little Shop of Horrors that, like, captures a kind of sincerity or, yeah. or it, it uses, it uses that 1950s idea to further its objective somehow that right. I think, like, Ruby Cool Guy just seems to, like, kind of sit there, right? That- that's exactly how I feel, and I can't even put my finger on exactly why. I think it does does come down to the sincerity. Like, why did the Muppet sound sincere? Why does uh, you know Little Shop of Horror sound sincere? And it might be the originality thing too. It's just like, you know, what is the motivation for writing these songs? Well, it's kind of organically coming out of this stuff, as opposed to some guy goes, "We need a song here." Right. That's what it sounds like. The motivation for the song is that. It needed to be there. Yeah, somebody said that there needed to be a song there, and like, it was so. Like, let's let's also listen to the lyrics. You are Scooby Doo, <laughs> and you are cool. Like a Ruby Dooby 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 cool guy. <laughs> like, okay, that's informative on some level. But once again, like, it's not necessarily that complexity equals better. Like, there are plenty of songs that are that simple, that are literally, you know, that straightforward, where it's almost like just uh, 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 just repeating the same thing over and over again, but it still captures national attention. I mean, you know, Da Lovely isn't the most complex thing in the world. Take duh, take all words that start with right. duh right. and just start stringing them together and then add duh to a couple ones that don't have it, and it's a joke. Yeah, but... See, but that's an acute song. One day he probably just said, "Oh, that's deli- that's delightful. That's the lovely. Oh, that's kind of funny." Right. To me, it's the difference between like, you know, watch me whip, watch me nay nay, watch me whip, watch me nay nay. I think we railed watch on this whip. last time. Watch me nay nay, <laughs> watch me whip, watch me. Na- no, uh, you're forgetting to- my favorite line. Watch me, watch me, watch, watch me. me, watch me. <laughs> stanky leg, stanky leg, stanky leg. Superman. Right. <laughs> Now, I remember thinking, like, this is the most annoyingly inane song I've ever heard. And I'm like, but wait, hypocrite warning? Should I should I go back? Let me look at, like, the lyrics to the Charleston. No, those lyrics are funny. And yes, I just realized we did talk about this last time. Well, the twist! Uh, uh, <sighs> and then, let's twist again! <laughs> yeah. Like, you know? Okay, I mean, the twist... The I'm... dude made a goddamn career yeah, out yeah. of just the twist! I will admit, 
the twist I'm okay with. The sequel, that's not okay. <laughs> I'm not okay with that because that was just like, hey, hey, Chubby, do, do you have an idea? I do. I do have another idea. Let's what is it? Twist again. It's that, hear me out on this. It's very similar to the previous song. Well, that's okay. That one did well. I mean, like, like uncannily similar. That's okay. Tell us your idea, Chubby. So remember how in the first one I was like kind of telling, uh, ordering people to do the twist, and they did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bumped, bump, bump. You know what it is. Come on, baby. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. Hey, I've got an idea. Okay. Let's twist, but this time again. Sold. Yeah. Like. Let's twist again, like we did last summer. That's not okay. That, that's that's too derivative of your own work. That's just that's like me going like it's like, hey, Homer, what you got? It's like, well, you know, I did that whole thing about um about people in a war. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you gonna write about somebody wandering? Nah, another war one. <laughs> yeah, now I'm gonna write about a different war. The war again. Yeah, I'm gonna write about uh, the Trojan War. In fact, I'm gonna write about the Trojan War, um, but this time from that guy's perspective, and it's just over here. Well, is it any different? Nah, it's about Achilles too. It's just why like he looked at Achilles instead of the other guy. Well, that is actually a very successful novel. Uh, it's uh, what uh, Rabble in Arms. <laughs> The Aeneid. No, well, no. The Aeneid uh, completely rips off both You know of them, Oliver Wistwell and Rabble in Arms? Nah. So uh, Kenneth Roberts, I think, is the author. He did the same book about the Revolutionary War, but one's from this, the, the colonist perspective and one's from the British no, perspective. No, but that's cool. Right. That, that is different. I'm saying like it's like this soldier <laughs> and the one standing next to him. It's like the exact same perspective. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not a di- like, But instead Ellen, of Brad says, it says Terry says. Yeah, exactly. It's the exact same thing. Yes, that's exactly it. Because like, Alan Akeborn did a really cool play where he, t- it's a trilogy of plays, in fact. It's called The Norman Conquest. Where it's Akeborn? Sa- Alan Akeborn. Yeah. A-C-H-E-B-O-R-N. A-Y-C-K-B-O-U-R-N. I think there's an E. Um, and uh, it tells the Norman Conquest is three plays. Each play tells the exact same weekend, but from a different room in the house. Oh. So offstage <laughs> action in one play is on stage in another. Right. Really kind of cool. It's really actually cool. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so uh, moving right along. Uh, another Muppet. Speaking reference. of the Muppets, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Continuing this trend, uh, trend. Gotta. So this is gotta have time. Uh, I'm, I think we're going from the same movie, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh, now we're in the set. Kind of digging this one. <laughs> I mean, this feels about as 70s as you can get. I mean, this feels like, you know, the Captain and Tennille or something. Yeah. No? I'm actually really digging this one. With the strings. Yeah, right. Disco strings and the, the, the prominent bass. It's interesting. I mean, each of the three songs... This also has... That sounds very Muppety, by the way. But this is actually those. This is different because the lyrics are also kind of doing something. It's well. <laughs> sounds like bestiality to me, but oh, anyway, God. I hope it's another dog singing. Uh, 
Yeah, this this sounds more like a musical number to me, as opposed to the other ones, which sounded like they were just trying to do pop songs in the middle. Right. Of it. This is slightly furthering the plot. Clearly, like there's someone with a choice. Am I in love with you? Scooby? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the different. I mean, I I don't know. I I've been kind of saying this recently, but like, uh, when you listen to <laughs> when you listen to the songs in Frozen. <laughs> which I do, uh, it sounds to me like they were trying to write hit songs. Like, if yeah. you listen to them, it sounds like, oh, this is going to be our radio hit, is kind of how it sounds to me. But when you listen to something like Beauty and the Beast or like, right. you know, it sounds like, oh, we're making a musical. Right. And this this song, as opposed to the previous ones, sounds like, oh, we're doing our musical number. Like, she's singing to him. Right. Which, for some odd reason, why is that different? Because the Ruby cool guy was just singing to Scooby, being like, hey, you're a cool guy. But, like, for some odd reason, there seems to be, like, something behind this. Like, she's trying to well, she's again, trying to make her mind up. Let, what what if someone came up to you and said, let, let, let's, let's take the music away for a second. I wanted to think about it. If someone came up to you and said, hey, you know what? I've met you now, and I think I, I actually have some feelings for you. Okay, now compare that to this. Hey, you're Nick Robes. You're Nick. You're Nick. You're Nick. And you're cool. Like, you you do kind of go, thanks. That's the most insipid conversation I've ever had. Like, right. Yeah. But the other one actually has something where there's a story going on. Yeah, right. There's there's something behind it. Or at least it right. feels like there's something behind it. Having not seen the movie, who knows? Maybe maybe yeah. uh, 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 context is everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, he goes, hey, I've lost my memory. Tell me who I am. <laughs> Tell me, you're Scooby-Doo and you're cool. Oh, I am? I'm Scooby-Doo and I'm cool. That would be interesting. <laughs> and that would also, I Amnesia would be around this time period where every Everything's single- Amnesia? Ha- every show had an Amnesia episode uh, and every show had a body switching episode. Muppets Take Manhattan. Kermit has Amnesia and he thinks he's right. fill up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But think about this. Get Smart had both of those. Uh, Actually, I think so. Gilligan's Island definitely had both of those. Amnesia, definitely. Uh, did a coconut fall on somebody's head? Because I feel like that <laughs> happened every season. <laughs> yeah. And there was one where Marianne loses her memory, doesn't remember who she is. And then she's and then in the in second act, is she thinks she's Ginger. And then in the third act, I forget what happens. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> wait, wait, really? You forgot what <laughs> Come on, come on. That was easy. <laughs> uh, so next up, we have a theme song. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is, I don't know. This one to me is kind of, I've, I've actually listened to this one a lot. For some odd reason, this one was stuck in my head quite a bit. Nice. I don't know no. why it was, but I, I remember this one a lot from like watching Scooby-Doo reruns. And it, I don't know. Let's just get into it because it's a weird one. Can you tell this is from the 80s? Yeah. Wait. So it references the original theme song. Oh, yeah. Well, and even the original stuff, is that the original stuff slowed down at the very beginning? Does it sound like the original stuff, or is that new stuff that was slowed down? Nah, it's mostly just like an 80s version. It's like 80s filler. Yeah, throw in some electric guitars, some synthesizers. It's doing its own thing here. There's also something about like uh, the like falsetto high-pitched thing that was like very... 
uh, that era. You know, like the Michael Jackson yeah. kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was definitely. What is this like from around 88? Uh, 84, I think. Something like that. Oh, that early? Okay. Uh, um, ooh, actually. I guess the 80s are more homogenous than I thought. <laughs> um, no, I, I would actually. I, I'm going to say, let's look this up because I think I'm right. Anyway. Um, 84. Ah, shoot. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, with like that sort of synthy thing, and well, uh, I I have I have a weird obsession with watching uh, theme park shows. Uh, one of the ones in particular that I really enjoy is the different eras of Beetlejuice's Graveyard Rock and Review at Universal. Specifically, there's there's an era in the '90s where it underwent several different revisions. Uh, but before the 2000s, there was like a really crazy one. You guys watching this in a real party? Say my name three times. What's my name? Louder! It's in my underwear! a lot of that kind of stuff where it's it's all previously owned material so i'm sure that nbc universal has like some record company once again synergy so they were able to get the the rights to i can't even think of what the songs are right now but like uh, stuff like um oh my gosh why am i ha- oh uh great balls of fire yeah songs like that so it's a review it's all pop songs so like the Phantom of the Opera sings yeah. Great Balls of Fire because he has an organ so he can do like a Jerry right. Lewis thing. <laughs> but it's all like 1980s versions of these songs where it's like, you know, synthesizers and electric guitars. Yeah. And, you know, uh, but it, it's kind of screams to that of me, especially when it gets into the like uh, Scooby, Scooby Doo, which is the new Scooby Doo show theme. So, not right. the original Scooby Doo, but right, the second theme song that came out. Uh, just updated within this, like, come on, Scooby, where you been? <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah. This strikes me as fun only yeah. because it's nostalgic. Yeah. But it's harmless. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm at the point in this album where I'm like throwing up flower power just as a bone for me, but you know, and I'll keep going. Can we just go back and listen to like, the third cut just, just to get ourselves through the rest of this no i like this stuff. this is fine like you say it's it's, it's harmless it's, yeah it's, it's yeah it's fun mostly harmless <laughs> was that just the name of one of the books or was that no no that's the entry that that he puts in that's the for 10 years ford prefect is on the earth and then in the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy his entry like not in the franchise i mean like right. in the actual book that he's writing the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy um the entry for the earth was Mostly harmless. Mostly harmless. <laughs> Mostly harmless. You know they just came out with a sixth season? Of? Of Hitchhiker's Guide? For? The radio. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and does it even follow a continuity of one of the radio shows? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the first two radio series were made for radio, then they got transformed right. into books. Most people think they were books first and transformed. I'm like, no, no. No, no, no. But Which, did, I thought there was a TV, there was a well, TV series then, well, in between one of the books and one of the radio series. Y- there, I think the first radio series came out. I think it turned into a, no, I think they did the first two radio series. Then they turned into a TV show. And then they then he wrote the books. Cut to two. He wrote like two of the books. And then there was like another thing. And then, then he, he wrote, wrote like more he of wrote, the a, He wrote three more books. <laughs> they got transformed into radio programs in 2005. And they just 
did a sixth radio series based off a book written by a friend of his that 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 guy wrote based off of a lot of notes and some previously written stuff. Do you ever hear the story? I can't remember what he was writing, if it was a movie or something like that, but it was due. And the courier showed up at his place to pick up whatever it was, manuscript, script, whatever it was, yeah. and Neil Gaiman was over. And Douglas Adams was notoriously really bad with deadlines. And so he had Neil nice. Gaiman stall the guy while he wrote the rest of it upstairs <laughs> to give to him. That's amazing. Which that is that That's is good. such a fun story. Have you seen his uh, episode of Doctor Who there that he wrote? Adams? Yeah. Well, he was the he was the scriptwriter for like season eighteen. Oh no way! Of the original Which Doctor was that fourth. Which one was that? Oh, Tom Baker. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and uh, and it's it's actually not bad. It, what happened? The problem was that it didn't get uh, totally written. I think. He, oh wait, no wait. Am I confusing this? There's there's one called Shada, which I know he was. Uh, pretty sure actually, this is a no research podcast, so I can't access my phone. But yeah, that you can't look up. All right. That's a fact. Uh, we can we can do weird stuff, but if you state a fact, what if I gave you a jelly baby? <laughs> reference. <laughs> done so yeah uh i think i think that this is gonna kind of be how the rest of this album goes but it's sort of uh uh, oh i do know what this next one is i i think that i think it's missing jumps back for some odd reason but okay we'll just listen to it and let's see if you can guess what the plot is okay look out world here comes mr droid i could be a star you could be the best you could be a star to the test and you'll go far on the great white way with your name in my Can we talk about the background music is all like crappy synth midi I can be the best I can be a star put me to the test and I'll go far is there a flanger on there? with your name yeah some kind of electronic manipulation of the voice to make it sound robotic on the great white way with your name in lights I mean, it feels very like vaudeville Yeah, oh, you know what it crappy. is? Anybody can rhyme June with moon. Anyone can rhyme that with honeymoon. Anyone Are you kidding can... me? All the songs that I write because it's they're Scooby-Doo themed have the word mystery. Mystery? Me? See? <laughs> like, it, it's the greatest mystery? thing to rhyme ever. <laughs> yeah. Tonight? Oh, tonight's a great one. I'm just saying... Fight, right? I'm just saying, tight. it doesn't sound like they went in and... Like, they just went, I don't know, hit the heights, put it to the test. Like it, I don't know. It was fine. Like, again, these are mostly harmless. Well, yeah, but I mean, how many times has love been rhymed with above and we still love uh, those songs? Yeah, you're you know right. Uh, yeah. It, but being, it depends I, on the context. Like... Yeah. And how inspired the context is. I will admit, like, there is part of me that goes, why do I like that old 30s stuff? Why do I like that old 20s stuff? Most of the chord progression is the same. Just follow the circle of fifths. And what about the lyrics? It's all that moon, June, honeymoon. Actually, there's a song in uh, Nice Work If You Can Get It, uh, the, the, the new musical that was like out just a few years ago. And I think this was an original by Gershwin himself just to point out that he mocked him. And the whole thing is that the guy says, like, hey, I wrote you a song. <laughs> But I realize I'm not very good with words. I don't really know a lot of them. But this is my attempt. I, I've I've watched all the movies and I've watched all the musicals. So here's <laughs> my thing. And the whole song is just, 
Blah, 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 <laughs> moon. Blah, 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 love. Blah, 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 croon. Blah, 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 above. Like, and he just takes all the rhymes that you've heard every time you go, like, yeah, it doesn't matter what the fucking things is before that. You know it's going to be this. It's going to be moon, June, honeymoon. It's going to be love above. Yeah, right. Croon. Uh, mouth south. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Nathan Barley? No, not yet. All right, I got to get into it. But um, yeah, good. Uh, another... <laughs> Anyone who has knows exactly what I'm talking about, and that is the one of the worst, most crass scenes I've ever seen. There's a, well, but also what is it? Uh, one of those Rock Hudson Doris Day movies. He's a like a jingle composer or something, and he has all of his girlfriends, and he's yeah. com- oh, uh, uh, talk. Because okay. it's the one where they have a party line, and so she listens <laughs> in all the time as he's on the phone with his girlfriends, and he's always composing them a song, <laughs> and it's always the exact same song, just with their name put into it. Uh, you are my inspiration, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I gotta see that. I haven't seen that one. Classic. Classic. <laughs> the the Well, I mean, that speaks to kind of our originality thing, because those Rock Hudson Doris Day movies, you know, whatever it is, Pillow Talk, Glass Bottom Boat. Right. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to remember all of them right now, but it's always the exact same plot. Like, they're two, they're the exact same people who don't get along, and then somehow by the end right. of it, they're going to have to get together, you know? Yeah. Suddenly they see here that you've got mail, and yeah, it right. happens, right? <laughs> He's sleepless in Seattle. No, actually, that one just is they don't know each other, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. and you've got mail. But you've got mail. Technically, like. also a reference yeah, to, to little shop, around shop, the shop around little shop around the little horrors. Shop. <laughs> little shop <laughs> That's what I around almost the said. Yeah, that's I a mean, great mashup. Oh yeah, should make that movie. We should. <laughs> so, movie. and actually, I'll say this: I prefer you've got mail. Uh, well, it's got the uh, uh, Harry Nilsson soundtrack. <laughs> that's the reason. Yeah, that. No, you know what it is? It's that they are piquant in that. Like in the original one, they like hate each other. Yeah. And in this one, it's kind of like, look, we disagree fundamentally. You're a nice person, but we agree so fundamentally on this that it actually kind of offends me that you think that my little shop is not as important as that. Like, that to me is like, that way, that way it's a little more believable, like when they, spoiler alert, but I think you can tell, they get together at the end, you know, like... Uh, no, I think you're wrong. I think it's just Dave Chappelle. No, uh, <laughs> no but there's also, uh, and uh, hell, yeah, let's talk about Chubber in the Corner and You've Got Mail, because I love that movie. Uh, I think there is something about also it being, you know, post-sexual revolution in the sense that, like, she is a shop owner. Like, she's not just right. a shop girl. Yeah. And he's the shop manager. Like, there is something about the sexual politics of that where, in theory, they are on the same playing field. Right. You know, and and yeah, that, you know what? that, that equality, what? like, it, it ups the stakes because now that they are, in theory, equals, even though his, status-wise his shop is more important, he has more money, right. there, there's something about those stakes being it gets more to their emotionality rather yeah. than their status level. That's really good. I like that, actually. That's a good reading. Maybe that's it. And I think it's also... Who's the... It's Jimmy Stewart and who... In the original? Yeah. I don't remember. But I just remember her... But that also speaks to that movie. It's Jimmy Stewart and who? Uh, who is it in You've Got Mail? Yeah. Tom Hanks and Meg, Meg Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> Boom. But I think it's also just that Meg Ryan is... She takes it kind of on... You know, she takes it um, in a way that she can roll with the punches a little bit. And in the original one, I feel like she's just like, I'm angry at you. Well, he yeah. just spits it, it back in his face. And But they're, they're doing a dance in, in You've Got Mail. I think it's a better movie. It also... 
it's it's based upon both of the you know if you're gonna draw a story circle you'd also have mini story circles for both of them like they both go through an arc you know i mean yeah. she has this she has her you know not only is her shop closing it's also a representation of her mother and right. her life and all these right. kinds of things and you see her deal with that not just i need to get a boyfriend right yeah which is interesting well yeah and i think um I've lost it. <laughs> no, that's um, one that happens to me all the, all the time. Uh, totally. <laughs> We're going to cut this out. <laughs> um, uh, I forget what I was going to say. But anyway, um, uh, that the... Yeah, I don't know. Gone. gone. If it comes back to you, uh, Oh, I know what I was going to say. Yes. Um, that I think what's really quite fascinating about both those stories actually it's kind of the same story that uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about it's a story about uh, two people who become pen pals and kind of start falling in love with each other but in one the real takes place in the era of letters and one takes place at the beginning of AOL instant message yeah. or no AOL well yeah. also I am yeah is a part of it um, but it's also that that uh, meanwhile the Tom Hanks slash Jimmy Stewart character is basically against the business of the other person trying to get something involved like and, and you've got mail it's that he's like you know what is it like the sort of Barnes and Noble trying to come in and take over the small little mom and pop shop yeah and so but what i think is fascinating basically is, what we're going through right now with amazon <laughs> yeah what i think is fascinating is that in this context with the letters they fall in love and in this context they're at odds with one another and they kind of despise each other and yet they're the exact same people so it's totally the context surrounding them that allows them to find these aspects of that person as versus these other aspects um i had a friend who once told me she's like i had a boyfriend in college it was a, one of the best relationships i've ever had we got out of college the context changed everything was different suddenly we were incompatible. And it wasn't that the two of us were necessarily incompatible. It was just that the circumstances surrounding our relationship mm. had changed where it worked in this context and it didn't work in that context. But I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, but I've had that a ton of times where I've had friends or acquaintances, whatever, in relationships. And you look at that and you're like, so this person has to be different when you two are alone, right? Because this person hmm. is, you know, whatever, grating, annoying, or mean, whatever it is. Like, whatever happens when you two are together, there has to be something different because that's why you two are together. Because if it's like what I see all the time, then why would you be doing that? You know what see, I'm saying? See, I think you're more optimistic. I, I look at it and go, man, that must be annoying when it's just the two of you and you all don't the have time. the buffer. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know... Uh, like, why would this person behave in that way? But then why would you be with that person? Well, you get... Because you get... Yeah. For convenience sake. Don't want to be alone. You don't want to be... I or, mean, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, one might do that. I mean, I've been in relationships where it's like, you know, oh, wait, this isn't so good, is it? And then it's like, it takes a while for you to even just internalize that thought and go, this is not what's fulfilling for me. And, mm. you know, maybe I should get out, but man, that's a scary thought. Or maybe I shouldn't, you know, like, that can be a scary thought. Sometimes mm. you're just together because... In the first three months, you met someone and didn't really notice all these other things. And then the next thing you know... Infatuation like, period. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That could just be it. It's like they're not different at all. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, that is always interesting. But, but who knows? Maybe. You've got mail. Great movie. Complications. Nora Ephron? Right? I think so. Yeah, I think that's I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think it was just right after Sleepless in Seattle, too. Yeah. Uh, what is tiramisu? Is that... You'll have a ball with it. <laughs> well, what if a girl asked me to do it and I don't know what it is? That's not Mini Driver. No, it's Meg Ryan, right? 
That's also Mick Okay, Okay, yeah, yeah. right on. So moving right along, this is now uh, Doobie Doo, mm. which uh, this sounds like another Ruby Cool guy, but uh, let's see. Presumably. Right, yeah. We'll find out together. Another cheesy MIDI, like, synthy. Oh, everywhere the whole world through, I want to be hip like a Doobie Doobie Doo. Exactly the same. My secret. Here's a clue. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Just sing along with Dooby Dooby Doo. Dooby Dooby Doo. I don't know, but somebody doing a bad Frank Sinatra impression. Oh, that is what he's trying to do. It's terrible. Because I was going to say, you know, he's. Let's take it from the top. Yeah. But also, compare that to this. Like, it's the exact same move of inserting. In like a, a, a pastiche of nostalgia, because this is doing an impression of like '50s greaser singer, you know. Right. Whereas like this is like now it's you know Vegas era Sinatra, right? Folks everywhere, the whole world through. But it's a terrible impression. Yeah. What's my secret? Here's a clue. Also, those instruments are so bad. Like, do you th- what is going through the brain of the guy singing that right now? Does he just go like, "Have I? Is this? Is this good? Am I doing? I mean, I'm getting paid, but I think that's all there is to it. Because yeah. I think there that's is insulting. an element. I take it back. I apologize. I think there is an, an element of like nine to five. Like, yeah. hey, we need this thing. All right, so I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna do this thing. Is that what you want? Great. Thank you. Bye. Like, yeah. I, you know, I mean, that's true. Because I think to a certain extent, the like great art, I almost want to call it an illusion or like, like, you know, this idea that I don't think nine times out of 10 people go in saying this is going to transform the world. I think a lot of that shit happens accidentally. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't even know what they've got until they're like, oh, that was a hit. Oh, okay, great. (laughs) Like how how many movies, you know, has a budget of like a hundred thousand dollars and it makes like, you know, 12 million at the box office and you're like oh sleeper wow. hit of the century yeah 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 and i think that there's an honesty to that casablanca was that oh really yeah they thought of it as a b picture oh interesting yeah huh. what yeah. does make that movie good is it the yeah. acting is it the script I, the story always throws me because i always kind of remember like oh yeah i like that story and then i'm always like that's eh, just a love story and i go back and I go oh no this is a fascinating story it's a, a lot spy story it's more than that i mean you know all the intrigue and you know i mean there is that but I, I think i think it's also person. the idea of like the war really displaced a lot of people and i think to have that thing where you had true love and then misunderstood why this person's suddenly gone mm. you know like in the context of you know it's a it's an analogous to the whole world almost yeah well and also there's this like this love triangle that gets formed very organically it's not just like someone you know cheats on somebody it's like oh the war displaced us so much that we were separate for so long that now i'm with this other person and now what does that mean between you and me suddenly we're tossed together in this crazy town this lawless town Mm. where i mean that it's it's a very interesting story because there is the spy intrigue and there's the love, but it's not sort of like just slapdash thrown together. It's like a very organic story. And I'm always I'm always struck by it because every time I watch it, I kind of think like, oh, it's a love spy story. It's whatever. And well, I go right. back and I'm like, no, it's better than I remember. But it's using yeah. it's using the tropes of pulp to create something more. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. As, I mean, you know, it's the same as Chinatown. Yeah. You know, and... and I was going to say Pulp Fiction, then I'm like, no, nah, that's just the pulp. Well, but, anyway. <laughs> but also that's... Postmodernism, yeah. whereas like that is more than I, the post. I, I think it, that's it is like more than the pulp. Yeah, the Chinatown 
it it uses all those tropes and and you know does something more with them and that's exactly what we've been talking about for all of these songs where it's like when do they actually like use it to do something and when does it just sit there right. like hey we're doing the Frank Sinatra thing now for the hell of it you know, because well, Doobie it. Doo is a Frank Sinatra thing to say. Literally, it's where the, the name of the whole yeah, goddamn right. franchise comes from. So fair enough. I guess it pertains, you know, um, that pertains more than just saying, let's do Bob Hope. Well, right. You know, well, but barely. I mean, it still is. Barely. You're right. You know, I mean, it's not it's not inspired. You know, it's like a pun that only has one half of the elements already seated. <laughs> you know, that's that's my big thing. Most people hate puns because you have to suddenly have the second one inorganically shoehorned into the joke. But when someone says something and someone says something else and you realize that there is a word that kind of combines them, th- that's okay. To me, I'm like, oh, that was a good pun. Mm. There's a difference between that and saying like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, I was reading... Um, I was reading The Inferno the other day, and um, I couldn't find anything uh, to mark my place, so I uh, grabbed some pasta, which was al dente. <laughs> You're like, shut up. Yeah, you also took a long walk. I was going to say I was reading The Inferno the other day. Hot stuff. That's, that's, yeah, that's cute. That's, that's fine. It's better than mine. But my point was I was purposely making one where it was like, what the hell Shoe is this other in. element coming from? Yeah, like, where? Yeah. why? Why is pasta suddenly coming into the mixture? That's the inter- but if You someone, just needed to say it so that you could say Dante. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But if someone actually were reading it and there happened to be pasta there already, like, you might be able to do that and it would be a little better. But my, my point is, like, why, why Frank Sinatra in this thing? Why are they just putting him in there? Yeah, it seems haphazard. and There's no reason. Yeah. And it's sort of like, okay, now you're doing a Frank Sinatra thing. Whatever. Mm. Okay, fine. Yeah, it feels uninspired. And this kind of comes back. I think there's sort of a theme forming to this episode, which is like originality. Why is it important? Why do we like that better than just, you know, we all like Frank Sinatra. Why isn't this more like, oh, yeah, they did Frank Sinatra. Why is it coming across as like... They got a hacky sort of Frank Sinatra impression. It's fine. It's not yeah. bad. It's sort of better than most. And it's all right. <laughs> I guess let's move on to something more interesting. <laughs> like, why am I right now going like, yeah, we could be listening to, you know, like something really kind of quirky and weird. Like even the even the incredible string band, I think, is better than this, even though the tone quality is worse because they had some they were just doing what they wanted to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The natural laws revolve, ever changing. Like, you kind of just go, what? What? Is, have you not heard this stuff? <laughs> I think you've played it for me. Yeah, before. Oh, it's fucking wild. <laughs> but I, I bet even, like, that's not even got a great thing, but it is original and it's intriguing, maybe on that basis alone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So now, uh, now we have the last, I think this is the last theme that we have on the album, which is. Uh, <laughs> The 1980s, specifically 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. So this is with uh, Vincent Price. and yes. I mean, it's totally ridiculous, but here, let's get into it. This is a warning to all living mortals that whosoever opens this chest of demons will release 13 of the most terrifying ghosts upon the face of the earth. <laughs> I mean, I love this. Let's get him, Bogle. I'm Joy. I almost feel like the theme song delivers more than the series gives. The demons to the chest. Because sounds like someone's playing pinball. <laughs> 
the soundtrack to a pinball machine. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're like, hitting the thing and it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. Welcome to hell. <laughs> I actually just played a pinball machine that said that a lot, so. <laughs> Vincent Price. This got to be a Scooby-Doo. I've never played one, but. It's oh, I'm sure there's several. Pinballs. Yeah, yeah somewhere out there. I've never played one. I also don't play that much pinball, but. <laughs> I actually play quite a bit. It's making a comeback. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fine. I, this See, show isn't that great, but I think that that theme song, it, it does everything a theme song should. It doesn't hit you over the head with uh, gratuitous exposition, but right. it kind of says, like, this is the show you're about to watch. Right. I guess so far, like, the the first, like, when, we, when we met last time, mm-hmm. that the was a soundtrack. Half. Like, that was actually songs. And I was like, yeah, these are fun. Yeah. So far, it's been a lot of either theme songs or sort of things you kind of need to know the context for to fully appreciate or they're just sitting there doing their thing. Well, that's also... So far. I mean, that is the funny thing about the first half. It was, you know, songs from the show that were purely random yeah i mean you know i'm in love with an ostrich oh yeah in the middle of in the middle of a scooby-doo episode for no reason it's just like oh this is going to be a contextless background song for uh them running around doing ridiculous antics it sounds like one of those bongo duda band whatever that guy's name was uh harry belafonte what whatever uh Anyways, uh, so yeah, I think uh, that show, unfortunately, is really weird and kind of suffers from a lot of things, <laughs> which we're going to find Let's out. Let's watch it. No, we're literally going to have a song from that show next. Oh, uh, so from, I think, the second episode of 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, I can't really remember, but also doesn't matter. Uh, this is Me and My Shadow Demon. Nice. Which is like a weird... Me and my shadow. Oh. Yeah, okay. It's like a me and my left foot or whatever. Oh. Well, so they, it's a parody. Yeah. Yeah. Weird Al, it is not, but it is still a parody. Also, just really quickly, it is hilarious that, once again, instruments are really crappy synthesizer mock-ups. Like that like it sounds like really grating to my ears, uh, but also <laughs> it, it's funny because Casey Case. It's, so it's Scooby Doo and Shaggy singing, but it is obviously not Casey Kasem. And whoever this dude is doing this falsetto, just listen to this. Now, of course, he's not going to sing now that I want you to listen. There's the theremin in the background. What you're thinking of the falsetto? No. <laughs> It sounds like Don Knotts. Yeah, so yeah, it sounds like the Incredible String Band again. No, yeah, I mean it does sound like super cheese ball version of you know and, and whatever. What's the original song? 
Me and my shadow. Oh, okay. Me <laughs> and my shadow strolling down the avenue. Yeah, I mean, and there's plenty of the, that kind of thing throughout you know, the years. Mm. The parody of those like well-beloved yeah. uh, vaudeville or old musical classics and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. The, I, this is the last song off of this album. And this is it? We're done? This one is possibly the most infuriating <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Without context, I'm just going to play the last one. Oh, well, that's fine, right? Yeah. Sure, this is fun. Oh, we're going back to the original? I love it. Wait, what? This ain't your granddaddy, Scooby-Doo! It's not the same kind of sound. <laughs> this was on an album. It's not Soul. the same kind of sound. So I'm gonna just hear- okay, Scoop, let's get with it. Looks like we've got another mystery on our hands. We'll split up. I'll take the girls this is in the 90s, you said? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this so screams of like, way. yeah, that like all those, all yeah. those like techno hey, remixes. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. For like 10 years straight. Here's a Scooby snack, Scoob. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, that's it. Let's go. I want to hate on this more, but I'm actually just like, yeah, whatever. I it's mean, fun. there was also like a specific, this is like such a specific era of techno, like yeah. Sandstorm. Yes. And like, it was also like, the. <laughs> all right, we just need to set whatever we need in motion. Like the like three synthesizer loops and like the drum pattern for like this section, just like press play. And then press stop on that, and then press play on yes. the next session and stuff. Where it's just like the same thing for like a minute, right? It's like, like we, it's we haven't gotten to Lemon Jelly yet. Yeah, or we like, haven't gotten to uh, even RJD two. Like, yeah, or know? Square Pusher, or even Aphex Twin. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was like that, like brief '90s acid, like yeah, pre uh, just really drum and bass. Get a beat, repeat it. Don't do anything interesting with it. Don't improve on it, and just throw in some quotes from other things. Well, because right. like, what, 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 why is anybody paying attention to it? Is Literally just to go to the club, dance, and get sweaty yeah. to. All we need is a thumping bass. I don't even dislike this. Honestly, this is better than about, in a way, I kind of, I'd listen to this. That's fine. Drum. Hey, Scoob, pick up the beat. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. That's better than that stupid, like, that horrible uh, impression of Frank Sinatra. Yeah, right? I mean, well, because also I think what, this is called Scooby's Mystery Mix. And I think what it promises versus what it delivers is right on par. It's like, yep, you're going to get one of those weird techno remixes that yeah, was everywhere. Yeah, it's cheesy, but it's fun. I mean, sure. Like, and here's the thing. They're having fun with this. Yes. As opposed to the other ones, which, as we've been saying, is just kind of like, we need a number here. Just do it. And everyone's like, okay. There's no joy. Yeah. It's just purely, it's perfunctory. Yeah. You know, people are coming in, getting paid to do their thing, and then they leave. And they don't think about it. I bet the guy who did that was like, oh, look at how much fun I was having. Yeah, I, right. I got this. And he's like, hey, Scoop, pick up the beat. And it's like, perfect. Put it in there. Honey, honey, get in here. Get in here. Look what I'm doing for work. <laughs> Yes. I bet he was like, look, and like his wife is like, you keep doing your thing, honey. And like, he's like, that was fun. He's playing with Fruity Loops on his PC in 1997. Yes. You know? Oh, no. Honestly, that had more integrity, I think, than anything we've listened to tonight. (laughs) It's fun. 
Uh, yeah, and I mean, like, it's so funny to think of that era because I mean, you know, all the various remixes of yeah. the Mortal Kombat <laughs> theme right. and like Just everything. Toss a that... toss a four beat drum beat down drum kit like. <laughs> Yeah, just put that underneath yeah. the thing and then just stretch <laughs> time stretch audio the other thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right, honestly. I think that was probably the thing that, would, that you could just tell the creators had the most fun with. Yeah. Uh, and I, for it, that alone, I think that may be my favorite for today. It's also funny because uh, so this was uh, released on Kid Rhino and the album that I remember most from Kid Rhino is The Space Ghost. Uh, soundtrack yeah. space huh. ghost uh luau or space ghost beach this, party or like something the actual space ghost or space ghost coast, to coast space ghost coast to coast okay yeah good and it was like you know uh it was skits from the show and <laughs> a couple <laughs> songs i thought well, you know that was so in like that dr demento like that sort of the end of the dr demento era was where we were still like yeah we can put out an album where there's like half of it's spoken word and half of it's the music and yeah like, i don't know if that would like would that do as well today i don't know maybe yeah, I mean, I, I bet you if you had it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. Oh, yes. I literally have the example right here. Hold on. All right. Keep talking while I find this. Uh, I'll tell you, one of the ones that I found was from that 1960 show, The Prisoner. <laughs> yeah. We literally talked about this last time. Oh, yeah, we did. I have a terrible memory. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I have in my hands, I was just handed, is this a... It's a triple album. Triple album. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a, it's a it's an open. A, it's a technically record. like three and a quarter. Oh yeah, there's like a little little tiny one. It's it's for Bob's Burgers. This is one hell of a gatefold. Yeah. So I think for the uh, first and second season, it just came out. Uh, I, well, I'm gonna say this year, but within the past year. And again, uh, it's Sean Benjamin. If you want me to help you record this thing, you want to have a vacation. But so because Bob's Burgers, they do the uh, songs at the end of every episode, which yeah. are typically just more produced versions of the, whatever happens in the episode, like whatever song happens inside the episode. Okay. So they took all those and they released them into an album, right? Because there's one for every episode. This show's Wait, been so going what is it? It's, it's all the things that they did what? So, you know, I'm assuming you watch Bob's Burgers. I, okay. Um, love H. John Benjamin. Sure. Haven't Not a big fan of that show. It. Um, and I realize it's because he's the straight man, and yet he's the funniest voice actor working today. And yet uh, they put him in the straight man role, and I'm just like, what a what a waste of uh, resources. It took me a little bit to get into, but now I'm totally on board with this show, so I'm fine with it. But I'm trying. I've tried, and every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah. It's not like I'm like, oh, this is offensive. Oh, my yeah, sensibilities. Right, right, That's right. more just I'm like, I'm bored. It's just not your thing. Nah, I yeah. mean, I don't know. I'll try it a third time. Uh, but so the way that the episodes work, usually there's a song in the show of okay. some kind. Okay. Uh, and for the end of every episode over the credits, they'll do a more produced version oh, of that song. That's cool. And so uh, for- so every episode has one of these. Yeah, exactly. So thus- you know, I you can so. you can put them all together into an album very easily. So that's what they did. But there's also you know the little skits in between where they're talking and oh, yeah. things like that. So I mean, yes, you can do it these days. All but right, the fair other enough. thing that that I think is specific about this versus the Scooby Doo album, or even you know the the Space Ghost uh, Rock and Beach Party, whatever it was called, this is <laughs> an item to hold. I mean, it's it's beautiful to look at yes. you know it's very well produced very. In, in just the physical object of itself and also there's this mini di- i don't know why i'm pimping this thing but whatever there's a mini disc uh literally what should be the size of a 45 but it has a regular hole in the middle uh that has yeah. songs from the album done by uh 
big time artists. So, I mean, it has like, you know, the magnetic fields are on here and St. Vincent and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. That's wild. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's not just taking what was a product and just re-releasing it for more money. It's literally creating an artifact. A new product. That you get to have, like something that you're proud to own, you know? Right, right, right. Which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, Would you think that this Scooby-Doo album is that? No. I think it's literally just a re-release. I mean, the techno remix, to a certain extent, you could make an argument for it being something new, but I mean, you know, as as, as much fun as we were having, it's not the most... No, and and let's face it, like, in the context of all music ever, no. Right. You know, in the context of this album, hey, it's great. Whatever. I think... But, yeah, that's not... Like you say, I'm not proud to have that album in my hand. I go, look what I've... Like, when you showed me that, I was like, wow. I think a lot went into that. I think if you did the first half of this album, I think if you did, like, all the Chase songs and stuff like that as, like, a fully produced, like, beautiful, like, record, which you probably wouldn't need a triple record for that, just, like, a side A and B, but if you did that and the original soundtrack, like, Mm. the, you know, the stuff that happens behind, because, you know, it's just the same music recycled, the dun, dun, uh, or the you know if you did an, uh, that on an album that would be cool like a nice 180 gram vinyl you know that would be fun yeah but this no I think it was just a CD for a cash grab for fun you know which is also why it's out of print now right right exactly there's a reason why it's not why it's not like out there as a thing that everybody's looking for right or that they've re-released even since it came out right well you know and like even i i was kind of like yeah i love this this sort of power pop this or not power pop this uh, like sunshine pop flower power stuff yeah i didn't go and download it you know i didn't go to itunes and get it like even just i mean i still think about it but i haven't had this like huge like clearly burning need to go get it either so yeah that even tells you about that it's like oh that was fun music i should go listen to that again i totally forgot about it you know? <laughs> uh just to uh it's good though bring I'm it in download it <laughs> yeah that's sad <laughs> i don't want to totally denigrate it here it's fun yeah it's good and that's what we did here today we had fun <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, yeah. Okay, so we made it through the album. Do you have any like parting thoughts about it? I mean, I said know, most. I mean, yeah. I think we basically the first half. I think was was a lot more fun. I think the second half kind of yielded a lot more uh, conversational topics in the sense that it was yeah. interesting, but I mean, not necessarily no listenable not really i would never go back and listen to any of that i don't think um yeah the first half yeah but i think it just it comes back to what you said it kind of at the beginning which is originality is important creativity is important these are things that do get us more intrigued than just doing something yeah and i think it's not just that like well, why is imagination? I think it's not that. I think it's the effort that goes into it. It's that like someone does something, if you just straight up copy it or just do something, you know, because you need to, well, we kind of look at it and go, well, you mailed it in. You did it. Yeah. You, di- you showed up. Fair enough. You, you, you get the Nobody you get the can star. fault you for that. Yeah, you did what you set out to do. Great. Right. But did you care about it? Did you take the time to do something more with it? Did you actually put in so much effort that we're actually starting to get sort of impressed not even just at the effort but that your effort paid off or sincerity yeah yeah Yeah, an authenticity to it right right you genuinely like where did you want to do this right right like the caring that goes into it like even the ostrich song it's like no you you 
kind of blew your mind open there a little bit and went, <laughs> what can I do that's a little weird? Yeah. No right. one else has ever sung, sung a love song to an ostrich. And kudos to you. And honestly, I mean that, you know. Yeah, right. A sincere thought right back, you know. So I think that that, you know, that's where the praise goes. Perfect. Well, Phil, this has been fantastic. Thank you for having me. Uh, what do you have to promote for the people? Okay. Um, the Turkey Club is one of my improv troops. Great. Uh, we will be performing in Portland all through the last full week of June for Port Fringe. You can check us out, The Turkey Club. Cool. The other improv troupe I'm in is uh, Teacher's Lounge Mafia, which is based more up in northern Maine, up near Farmington. And there is a show coming up on May 11th, that's uh, Friday, hmm. where we adults are performing. Some of the student troops that uh, some of the teachers have in there will be performing. Oh, I thought you meant a troupe named We Adults. <laughs> no, no, the Teacher's Lounge Mafia will be performing. <laughs> Por- uh, Providence Improv Guild, for you people in Providence, if you want to drive four and a half hours to see something you can see in your backyard, uh, come up to Farmington, Maine on the 11th. (laughs) However, if you are in the Maine area and don't mind driving just like an hour and a half up to Farmington, or if you live in Farmington, then you'd be there. You get the idea. Um, We'll be up there. Perfect. Um, Cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on. Hey, thanks for having me. And as always to you and yours this holiday season, don't stop till you get enough. Don't stop till you get enough. What's With You Scooby-Doo is a member of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Visit StolenDress.com to check out our other Stolen Dress podcasts, blogs, tweets, videos, and books.